good evening, everyone. Welcome back to church this evening. It's crazy if you look out the back. It looks like it's right about midnight or so. Yeah, I mean, not too long ago it was it was midnight when it did get dark. So it's really cool the way God even made the world to where we get different levels of sunshine throughout the week or throughout the, uh, the seasons. Right now, we'll go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll have a few songs special, and then we'll uh, have uh, more preaching. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, I thank you again for giving us uh, such a beautiful evening. I thank you for stilling the rain for a little bit. Thank you, God, that you know exactly what we need, and you give us what we need when we need it, whether we realize it or not, God. I pray that we would uh, humble ourselves before you tonight, that we would hear from your word, and that we would honor and glorify you during the worship service, and this is for you, God. Uh, This isn't for us. The whole point of worship is to honor and glorify you. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand. Start out with, and can it be? Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's sing, Love Lifted Me. Get those calf raises in there. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From 
Amen. There we are. Amen. Let's go to Psalm chapter 1 tonight. Psalm chapter 1. And when I come to Virginia, that's what I expect. And uh, I was not disappointed. So I appreciate that. And you don't get that everywhere. So that was wonderful all day today. Thank you, fellas, for that. And so Psalm chapter 1 tonight. Is it okay if I preach from the floor tonight? I feel like I was in the nosebleed section uh, this morning so far away from you. And I like to be up close and personal. And so I'm going to be down here tonight if that is okay with you. And so Psalm chapter 1. Thank you for uh, braving the dreary, nasty weather and coming back to be with us on a Sunday night of our revival meeting. And how many got, who, how many showed up at 6.30 tonight? A little bit early? One person, okay? Uh, when, regardless, it'll be 7 o'clock from here on out for the rest of the week. And so trust you'll try to be back with us each night that you can and try to have somebody with you. And we're looking to get stirred up this week and allow the Lord to work in our heart. And it is a uh, privilege to have the uh, Bible preaching, turkey slaying legend of Virginia here with us, Brother Nestor. And so I know that he's been a great blessing to you over the past several weeks. And uh, so I'm glad we've met one other time before, uh, several years ago. So I was glad to see him walk to the back doors tonight and connect with him. And so I appreciate him and his faithfulness and his friendship to you as a church. And uh, so just thank you again for being here. And uh, people ask me as I travel, they say, where does your dad pastor? And they think just because I'm a preacher, my daddy was a preacher. Uh, that's not the case. My dad, uh, growing up, he was a lawn, uh, uh, railroad man, uh, but he also owned a lawnmower repair shop part-time. As they're going up, I've seen hundreds of lawnmowers come in and out of that repair shop, and every lawnmower that I've ever seen has one thing in common. Every lawnmower has two speeds, rabbit and turtle. Who knows what I'm talking about? And when God called me to preach, He put me in a rabbit. So I'm going to preach fast. I can't help it. I don't mean to. I just get excited and take off. So I'm going to preach fast. So you have to listen fast. Uh, but let's go to Psalm chapter 1 tonight. Just a practical message from God's Word tonight as we just really get up off the ground here on a Sunday. And I'm just a simple Bible preacher, as I said this morning. And so hope that you left today uh, seeking to restore that cutting edge as we talked about this morning morning and that you uh, went home today and asked for some help from the Lord to say, Lord, I, I've got away from these things in my life and I need to get back to it. I need you to restore it. And if you keep seeking him and praying that, uh, he will no doubt answer that for you in your life. And so this is one of my favorite uh, psalms and all the way and one of my passages and all the word of God that I enjoy. And several, uh, some months ago, I went to their, uh, into our office and tried to print something off the printer and it kept on getting, it kept on printing crooked. And so finally, I called our media guides, Brother AJ, and uh, he's millennial. I said, Brother AJ, I said, what is wrong with his printer? And he says, it's, it's messed up. He said, we got to call the printer people. And I said, they're going to come out. They're going to recalibrate it. They've got to recalibrate it. Can I say, sometimes in my Christian life, I get off track. And sometimes I can get a little crooked, and I can get a little sideways, and I need to be recalibrated from time to time. Psalm chapter 1 is a recalibration passage for the Christian. And this is when I get off track and something's missing in my life and I'm just not where I ought to be, I run to this passage and I gotta make the necessary corrections. And I'll trust that you'll do the same tonight if you need to as well. Notice the Bible says, blessed is the man. Now stop right there. Whenever I read a phrase in the Bible like that, I put on the brakes and say, Lord, whatever it is about this man that he does, whatever it is that he does or whatever it is that he does not do that results in him being blessed, I want to make sure that I'm doing that or I want to make sure that I'm not doing that because I want you to bless my life. How many here tonight says, I want God to bless my life? 
Can I say this tonight? God wants to bless your life. And God's not mad every Sunday. Amen. God loves you and He wants to bless you. But we're going to find out tonight there's some conditions in this passage that your life and my life has to meet in order to get the, get the blessing. In other words, if God's going to bless our lives, then our lives have to be blessable. He says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Father, would you speak to our hearts tonight? And Lord, no, I know I'm preaching to some folks who are just going through a season of discouragement. And so, Lord, would you encourage our heart and point us back to you and help us to get back to doing the things that we know that we ought to do, uh, no matter what's going on in our lives. Lord, revive our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The story is told of a father of a vacationing family who came across a large sign that read, Road closed, do not enter. The man proceeded around the sign because he was confident it would save them time. His wife was resistant to the adventure, but there was no turning back for this persistent road warrior. After a few miles of successful navigation, he began to boast about his gift of discernment. But his proud smile was quickly replaced with a humble sweat when he led to a road that led to a washed out bridge. He turned the car around, retraced his tracks to the main road, and when they arrived at the original warning sign, he was greeted by large letters on the back of that sign which said, Welcome back, stupid. And uh, how many, how many has lived long enough to know that life generally works better when you follow the instructions. Have you found that to be true? And if I get too loud, sound folks, you can crank me down. And uh, that's not just generally true about life, but that is absolutely true when it comes to the Christian life. And when you and I come to Psalm chapter 1 tonight, here's what we find. When it comes to living life, the Bible way is the best way. When it comes to living life, the Bible way is the best way. In fact, notice the very first word is the word blessed in the Hebrew literally means, oh, how happy. And it's almost like God is talking about a giant sign tonight that says, hey, Christian, hey, mama, hey, daddy, uh, hey, grandma, hey, grandpa, you want to be happy? I mean, truly, biblically happy? You want to know true, biblical, spiritual joy? Then walk this way. Do exactly what I'm about to tell you to do right here in Psalm chapter 1. I love the way Billy Sunday, the old evangelist, put it. He said, if there is no joy in your Christianity, there is a leak somewhere. And for some of us, it's the things we've allowed to leak out of our lives. Others of us, it's the things we've allowed to leak into our lives. And I pray the Holy Spirit would place His finger on the leaks in our lives tonight. I'm going to preach on this subject tonight, how to be a Psalm 1 Christian. How to be a Psalm 1 Christian. A Christian who is truly and biblically happy. Notice, first of all, if you're going to be a Psalm 1 Christian tonight, you must be separated from the world. You must be separated from the world. Notice it begins with the negative in verse 1. He says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel or the advice of the ungodly. The ungodly are those who are without God, uh, those who disregard God. In other words, God says, uh, there's a lot of voices out there in that world and you better be very careful about the voices that you listen to because if you listen to the wrong voices, you're going to get your life off track. 
Now listen to me. In verse 1, he's dealing with the negative. God says, I want to bless your life. I do. But there's some things in this world that you're going to have to keep yourself separated from. And there's some things in this world you've got to keep out of your life if I'm going to bless you. Everybody with me tonight? I'm just the mailman. I don't write it. I just recite it. Amen. He says, first of all, you've got to separate yourself from sinful counsel. Be careful about the voices that you listen to. You say, what are you saying? I'm talking about the influences. I believe that Saul, uh, Solomon's put it well when he wrote to Rehoboam in Proverbs chapter four, uh, 4. He says, My son, keep thy heart with all diligence. My son, keep thy heart with all diligence. That word keep means to guard. It means to protect. It means to keep covered. In the Old Testament, they had wells. and It was necessary to keep the wells covered. If you didn't keep the wells covered, the enemy could come along and throw a dead animal into the well and could pollute the drinking water. So it was necessary to keep the well covered. And with that same imagery and that same picture in mind he says my son keep your heart covered you better guard your heart you better protect your heart because if not the enemy's going to come along and put wicked things into your heart and it's going to end up polluting your entire life now listen to me i'm not trying to sound like some old fuddy-duddy preacher but listen to me you better be careful what you're watching on television you better be careful what you're watching on Instagram and YouTube and Netflix. Come on now. There's some things out there that a child of God has no business putting into their heart. You say, how do the wrong things or even the right things end up into our heart? They come in through our eyes and through our ears. And God says, you want me to bless your life? Then you better keep the wrong influences out of your life. Notice number two, he says this, not only sinful counsel, he speaks of sinful companions as well. Sinful companions, he says that second phrase in verse one, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor standeth in the way of sinners. We preach to a lot of teenagers in the summertime at camps, and sometimes young people, their attitude towards the Bible is that this old dusty book is, is something like Shakespeare that has no relevance for my life today. But may I say that there's no other book that has any more relevance to your life today? Today than the Word of God. Listen, this book is relevant. The Bible says it this way about friends. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Proverbs chapter 1 says, My son, as sinners entice thee, consent thou not. I like how one preacher said it. He said, You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future, because your friends will determine your future. You want to know what you're going to end up like? Show me the people you spend your time with. In other words, God says, you want me to bless your life? Then you've got to not just get the wrong influences out of your life. You've got to get the wrong individuals out of your life as well. And for some of us, if God's going to bless our life and get us back to where we need to be, we need to get, the, we need to unfriend some people out of our life. Listen to me. I'm not talking about being ugly. I'm not talking about being a jerk to anybody. Here's how this works. You get on fire for Jesus Christ and say, I'm going to love him and I'm going to live for him. And I promise you, those around you that don't want to live that way, they'll separate themselves from you. But there's always one, the crowd preacher. Well, Jesus ate with the publicans and sinners. I understand that. He ate with them. He did not sin with them. They were not influencing him. He was influencing them. Had a young lady come to me at camp one day, and I was uh, the morning chapel. I preached about friends, and she came to me and says, "When do you know when you need to uh, separate from a friend?" I said, "When you get to the place in the friendship when they start to bring you down instead of you bringing them up, that's when you need to take a break and back off." God says, you want me to bless your life? Get the wrong people out of your life. And by the way, you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. 
And if you find yourself surrounded by people that uh, don't love the Lord, and they, uh, they don't care about church, they don't give a rip about God's Word, then maybe you need to stop looking around you and start looking within you and ask yourself, why are these people attracted to me? It may be because you're like them. Listen to me, I'm not talking about not being a loving dissenter. We understand that lost people. We'll talk more about that this week. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about running with the wrong crowd tonight. And there's a time in almost every one of our lives, I go back to when I was a teenager and had hair down to here. I was a thousand miles away from God. Number one, my own sinful heart was to blame. But number two, it was the crowd that I was running with. God says, you want, me, you want to be a Psalm 1 Christian, get the wrong influences out of your life and get the wrong individuals out of your life as well. Notice the last phrase in verse number 1. He says, we need to be separated from sinful criticism. Separated from sinful criticism. He says, nor sitteth in the seat of, us, of the scornful. You know what a scorner is? Usually every church has one. Well, they scorn things and they criticize and, and, uh, we think about people in the world. They criticize and scorn the things of God, the people of God. Drew according to verse number one, there's not a progression, it's really a digression. He goes from walking to talking to mocking. He goes from walking to standing to sitting in the seat of the scornful. Do you realize, you say, what does that mean that he's sitting in the seat? It means that he's comfortable there. In other words, he went from being on fire for God all the way over here to making fun of those that are on fire for God. You ever met someone who at one time, boy, they were busy serving the Lord, they were all in at the church, and they were on fire for God. Then circumstances happened, and over time they got away, and now they scorn the people and the things of God. You ever seen that? You say, how does that happen? You start listening to the wrong crowd, you begin lingering with the wrong crowd, and if you linger long enough with the wrong crowd, eventually you will be like the wrong crowd. Sin will always bring you down. It will always bring you lower. That is the pattern and progression of sin every time. God says, number one, you want me to bless your life? We must get the world out of our lives. Now listen to me. I said separated. I did not say isolated. And there is a difference. You say, what's the, uh, Warren Wearsby said it this way. Separation is not isolation. It is contact without contamination. In other words, there's not a problem with a boat being in the water. The problem comes when the water gets in the boat. You and I live in this old world. We can't help that. But the problem comes when the sin, when the world begins to seep into us. God says we've got to separate ourselves from, uh, from sin. But notice this, number two. Not only is there separation, but listen to me. This thing's part one, part two. Now you say, Brother Taylor, I mean, you look like a young preacher. You, you probably hadn't been at this very long. And so you probably don't have enough sense to look around here on a Sunday night and see who you're preaching to. No, actually, I do know who I'm preaching to tonight. And I understand that this is the Sunday night crowd. And of all places you could be tonight, you're here getting hollered at by the preacher. Amen. I know this is a Sunday night crowd. I know that most of you say, Brother Taylor, I got part number one down. I mean, we, we try to watch the right kind of things, listen to the right kind of music. We're here every time the doors are open. We don't go to the wrong places. We have the right kind. We got part number one down, Brother Taylor. Listen to me. I know a whole lot of folks, they got part number one down. But they don't have part number two down. And if all you and I have is down, uh, part number one down, and we don't have verse number two down, it's only a matter of time before we spiritually dry rot from the inside out. 
You say, what's part number two? Number one, we must be separated from the world. But number two, we must be saturated with the word. Notice he says this in verse number two. But, that's a contrasting word. It means a Psalm 1 Christian does not delight in the things that are found in verse number one. He delights in the things that are found in verse number two. You say, what's found in verse number two? The wonderful word of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, but his delight. Let me ask you a question tonight. What do you delight in? Not a trick question. Doesn't have to be spiritual. Not a setup. What do you delight in? How many says, uh, I enjoy sports? Would you raise your hand? Well, not this year, but you generally you enjoy sports. Uh, how many would say, how many ladies in here would say, I enjoy shopping? Would you raise your hand? Stay away from my wife. Thank you very much. Uh, how many, just kidding. How many, uh, enjoys eating? Would you raise your hand? You enjoy eating? Amen. Uh, several years ago, we were, uh, traveling. Uh, my wife is addicted to chocolate. And, I mean, she needs recovery program. And so, uh, several years ago, we were traveling through Hershey, Pennsylvania. And you know what's in Hershey, Pennsylvania? The Hershey Chocolate Factory World, whatever. And so she started seeing signs in the interstate advertising this place. And she began to beg me, won't you take me? Won't you take me? And she just believed it was a divine will of God for her life to go and visit there. And she just had a piece about it. And said, fine, I'll take you. And folks, we pulled into the Hershey parking lot there. And my wife got so excited, she started licking the window. No, just kidding. I mean, she was excited uh, to be there. You say, Brother Taylor, what do you delight in? I delight in fishing and hunting. Amen. And uh, we live in our travel trailer, but if you're to walk into mom and dad's house there in Texas, it feels like you're walking into a taxidermy shop. I mean, there's white-tailed deer and, and turkey and hogs and rams. I mean, we like. I don't care if it has fins, fur, feathers. I like it all. Amen. If it's brown, it's down. If it flies, it dies. Amen. And uh, we love that kind of stuff. What do you delight in? Listen to me, you ought, you ought to enjoy sports. You ought to enjoy shopping in moderation. You ought to enjoy eating. You ought to enjoy that. You ought to enjoy all of that. But listen to me tonight, just as much as you delight in those things, you ought also to delight in the Word of God. And I'm asking you tonight as your friend, do you love the Word of God? Years ago, there was a preacher named Robert Sumner. He wrote a book called The Wonderful Works of God. And in that, he wrote about a young man who lived in Kansas City who was involved in a horrible explosion on his job. He lost his eyesight. He lost his fingers and hands. He was severely burned all over his body. As he was laid up in the ICU burn unit there of Kansas City, someone came to him one day and said, he was, a, he was a new Christian, and somebody said, sir, what's the worst part of this, this entire accident? And as a young Christian, he said this, he said, the worst part is that I'm no longer able to read the Word of God. Not long after that, he learned about a lady who lived in England who could read Braille, what blind people read with her lips. He thought, I can do that too. They sent off for a Bible in Braille and eventually got to where he was and they brought it to him that day and his heart was racing. He was excited. They unwrapped that Bible and they brought it up to his lips but unfortunately the nerve endings on his lips had been burned off and he could not fill the pages. His heart sank as you can imagine. But as they took the Bible away from his face that day, his tongue slid across some of the raised characters on the page and he felt it and he thought to himself, I can read the Bible with my tongue. By the time that Robert Sumner's book came out, that man had read the Bible four times with his tongue. I'm asking you tonight, do you really love the Word of God? 
I have a pastor friend out in Arizona, and he goes on missions trips all the time. A number of years ago, he was in uh, the country of China, and uh, there he was preaching in one of the underground uh, underground churches, and it was a Sunday morning, and a handful of ladies had just walked to the service that morning to met in that barn-type structure, and uh, he was going to preach about the Word of God that morning. And before he began, he asked if anybody uh, could stand up and quote a verse of Scripture they had committed to memory. Well, one lady stood up, and she was a little bit different, really didn't have shoes on and I dressed kind of funny, just, just a little bit different. And as she stood up and began to quote uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. And on down she went and quoted the entire first chapter of Matthew. And the lady beside her tugged on her and said, sit down. Pastor went on to, uh, that pastor went on to preach that morning the message and afterwards he closed out the, the little service they had there and he went to the lady who told the other lady to sit down and said, man, why did you ever sit out? He looked up at him and said, preacher, if I had not stopped her from quoting Matthew chapter one, she would have went on to quote the entire book of Matthew. Later on found out that was the only book of the Bible she had translated in her language. I'm asking you tonight, do you really love the word of God? Can I say this week, we need a Bible revival. We need a Bible revival. Revival, where God's people fall in love with the Word of God again so that they might say like David, Oh, how I love thy law. They would say like Job, I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Like First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the Word that she may grow thereby. Well, that verse took on a whole new meaning after we had a baby. If you ever had a baby, you know that you don't have to put a, that baby on a timer to figure out when it's time to feed them. When it's time to feed them, that baby's going to let you know it's time to feed them. And man, sometimes they get so hungry, you put that bottle up to their lips and they'll just begin lunging at it. And boy, you put it down there and usually they'll suck it dry. Listen, if there comes a time where, when it was about time for them to eat and they were not hungry and, and that went on for a while, eventually if they did not eat and had no appetite, you would realize something's wrong with this baby. You say, why is that? Because a healthy baby is a hungry baby. And can I say tonight that a healthy Christian is a hungry Christian. And if you and I do not crave the Word of God, there is something wrong with us. You say, what's the problem? The problem is sin. That's 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. The verse before that says, laying aside all anger and malice. And In other words, he says, get the sin out of your heart and life, and you'll begin to hunger after the Word. It's almost like there's a pattern in the Word of God about this. Get the world and sin out. And you begin to develop an appetite for the Word of God. Dale Moody said, you, sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. Charles Spurgeon said, a book that's falling apart, a Bible that's falling apart, usually belongs to a life that isn't. Somebody said, what you do with this book will determine what God does with you. Howard Hendricks, the old Bible teacher in Dallas, said it this way. He said, dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. Has your relationship with a book you say, how do you develop, brother, brother, I just had no desire to read the book. How do you develop an appetite? J.C. Ryle said, the more I read the Bible, the more I desire to read the Bible. And the less I read the Bible, the less I desire to read the Bible. At some point, you've got to sit down in a chair and open this book up and begin reading and asking God to give you an appetite for it. I didn't know that I had a love for sushi until I went to California. Don't run me out of here, please. I know we just met. I went to school. 
I went to school on the West Coast, and I got there, and I had a roommate one day said, hey, come on with me, I'm taking you to sushi. I said, no, you're not. And I said, where I come from, we call that bait, amen? And he says, no, I'm taking you. I said, I'll go one time, I'll give you one chance. We went there, he ordered for me, because I couldn't even read the menu, and he ordered, and they brought it out, and I'm telling you, I had my first experience with sushi, and listen to me. I've never been the same since. Just kidding. It changed my life. Listen, today I can eat my body weight in sushi. Listen, I didn't know that I liked it until I tried it and developed an appetite for it. Same thing with the Word of God. You know, do you realize when you need to read the Bible the most, it's when you want to do it the least. And day by day, day, by day you begin to read the Word of God and He develops an appetite in your heart. Notice He goes on to say, that's, that's not it. That's just the first half of the verse. His delight is in the law of the Lord. But notice this, uh, in His law doth He meditate day and night. In other words, it's not enough to just read the Word of God. Now listen to me. If you've not been reading the Word of God, no one came to beat you up this week. We've come to put our arm around you and say, hey, let's get back into it this week. Come on, we all struggle from time to time and someone needs to encourage I've come to encourage you this week. Let's all get back into the Word of God. But listen to me, there are others of us here who read the Bible every day, yet come lunchtime, we can't remember one thing that we read. Now, we all do that from time to time. But if you do that day in, day out, let's just be honest, that's not helping anybody. God says you need to take the next step in your Christian life. You say, well, what's that? Not just reading the Bible, but meditating on the Bible. But in his law, does he meditate day and night? You say, what's meditation? That sounds funny. What's meditation? One little boy put it this way. When your mouth shuts, but your head keeps on talking. That's a pretty good definition. Have you, have anybody ever had a bad day at school? Those are the homeschoolers, amen. And maybe you got beat up or whatever. And a mom and dad pick you up from school and all the way home, you're kind of staring out the window and finally mom and dad look across the car and they ask you, oh, what are you thinking about? You say, how they know I say? You had the look on your face. At that moment, you were mulling over and thinking about the bad situation that took place at school earlier that day. That's a bad form of meditation, but that is meditation. Y'all have cows around here in Virginia? Those cows will wake up in the morning and they'll uh, get their stomachs, plural, stomachs filled with that grass. And in the afternoon, that sun will come up and they'll find a shade tree. And excuse vulgarity, some of you just had dinner here. They'll begin to regurgitate that grass into their mouth. And they'll start red chewing. We call that chewing the cut. And they begin to break it down so they can digest it and it becomes a part of their body. That is a beautiful, well not beautiful, but that is a wonderful picture of what Bible meditation is. God says, I don't want you to just read the Bible, but I want you to regurgitate regurgitate what you read into your mind and I want you to think about that truth that passage, that story over and over and over again until that truth becomes a part of your life can you see at that point this book begins to change your life when's the last time you changed something in your life because the Bible told you to boy we need a Bible revival this week God says you want to be a Psalm 1 Christian get the world out of your life and put the Word into your life. Keep the world out of your life. And keep the Word of God in your life. Can I tell you why some of you are spiritually frustrated tonight? Can I tell you why some of your mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandpas are frustrated tonight spiritually in your Christian life? Because you have the whole thing backwards. And instead of being separated from the world and saturated with the Word, many of us tonight are separated from the Word and saturated with the world and we wonder why we have no joy in our Christian life. You need a reversal. And that reversal will bring revival into our lives tonight. 
Number one, there must be separation. Number two, there must be saturation. And last number three, there will be satisfaction. There will be satisfaction. Notice what he says in verse three. And get this, get this picture in your mind. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree planted by the rivers of water. It goes on to say, now listen to me, that, that tree is next to that river water. It's drawing, its roots are tapped into that water. It's drawing life and nutrients and strength. And because of its position by the water, and by the way, the water is a picture of the Word of God. The tree ought to be a picture of your life. It goes on to say, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Well, it's a prospering tree, isn't it? It shall have fruit in its season. How many wants to have a fruitful Christian life? Hey, I want to, have, I want to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I want, to, I want to walk through life having love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, faith, just, just coming out of my life. I want that, don't you? I don't want to live my life as a grouch and a grump. Come on now. Always upset, always depressed. Always, I don't want to go through life. And God says you don't have to. I want to have spiritual fruit in my life. It goes on to say that, uh, and, and, and that bringeth forth in a season, his leaf also shall not wither. Hey, listen to me. When the hot winds roll off the desert, your leaf will not wither. Hey, when the cold weather begins to roll in here in a few weeks, your leaf will not wither. Listen to me. When you go through the trials of life, his leaf will not wither. When the pressure at work begins to get turned up, his leaf will not wither. Charles Spurgeon said of a Psalm 1 Christian that he is an evergreen tree. His leaf will not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I remember we got, I think we had just, it was several years ago, we were invited to preach a back-to-school retreat in, in Texas in August. If you didn't hear anything else I just said, I said Texas in August. That's all you need to know. And it was at the at San Saba, Texas, just north of San Antonio. And I'm talking about brutal, triple-digit heat. It was brutal. And so we slept in tents. It was the worst week of our life. We slept in tents that week. And the first, it was the Colorado Bend State Park. And that first week, uh, the first activity of the day was a three-mile hike in the middle of the day. It was a mile and a half in and a mile and a half out. And the whole incentive was a mile and a half in. There was a river and a waterfall. We could jump in and do all that. And so when we started that, hike, it, it wasn't a hike, it was a death march, and we began that thing, and listen to me, it was August, Texas, there was no grass on the ground, there were no leaves on the trees, everything was dead, everything was dry, in fact, you would, when you started that hike, your arm would brush up against the trees, and the limbs and the branches were so brittle and dead, they would break off and fall to the ground, everything was dead, but the further we began to walk, and the closer we got down to that river, things started changing, all of a sudden, we looked on the ground, there was grass. The trees had leaves on them. Everything was green. We finally got down into the river, and sure enough, it was flowing. There was the waterfall. It was shaded. It was cool. Everything was green. There was moss on the rocks. Listen to me. There was a night and day difference between the trees that were planted next to the river of water and that were not planted next to the river of water. And I've come to tell you tonight that there is a night and day difference between a Christian that spends time in the Word of God and that does not spend time in the Word of God. Listen to me. Verse 3, the indication here is this is not overnight. Just because you walk at the back doors tonight and get the world out of your life and put the Word into your life does not mean that tomorrow morning your life is going to be verse 3. But you do that day in and day out. 
And day in and day out, one day at a time, you keep the world out of your life and you keep putting the Word of God into your life. Keep the world out and put the Word in. One day you're going to look up. Months from now, years from now, and you're going to look at your life and think, wow, I'm living verse 3. Not because of what I did, but I simply just did what God told me to do. And I followed the instructions. And I lived my life the Bible way. And God has blessed and prospered my life. The Bible says it's a mirror. So when you look into the mirror of God's Word tonight, is your life a reflection of Psalm chapter 1? Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your patience and how You work in our lives. And Lord, we may not be all that we desire to be or want to be or ought to be, but Lord, You patiently mold us and You allow us to hear truth. You confront us and You even convict us so that we can make the necessary changes to conform and recalibrate our lives to your word. If you hear this evening and say, Brother Taylor, God spoke to my heart. There's some things in my life that aren't helping me, they're hurting me. And there's some influences, or maybe some individuals, there's some things that begin to leak into my life, I've allowed into my life, and spiritually they are toxic, and it is hurting my relationship with the Lord. I need to remove those from my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand tonight? Brother Taylor, that's me. Brother Taylor, that's me. That's what this week is all about. How many would say, Brother Taylor, at one time I used to have a close... A relationship with God in His Word. Every morning I'd wake up, I'd set the alarm clock early, and I'd get up out of bed, and I would sit down with a cup of coffee, and I spent time in God's Word. And consequently, I was closer to God during that time than any other time in my life. But I've gotten away from the Word. Tonight God spoke to me about that. I need to get back into the Word, and I need to get the Word back into me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Brother Taylor, that's me. That's me. I need to have a Bible revival this week. Yes. I wonder if you're here tonight and say, Brother Taylor, I, I, I want all that for my life, but the first step is that I become a Christian. I can't be a Psalm 1 Christian because I'm not even a, a Christian at that. Brother Taylor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. I left out of here this morning thinking about that and pondering that, and it's been on me all day. I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you raise your hands and I, preacher, that's me. That's me. Lord, would you bless us for this invitation, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As our pianist begins to play, we invite you to go ahead and stand to your feet tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, and I want you to just come get real and honest with the Lord tonight and say, Lord, there's some things I need to get out of my life. There's some things holding me back, there's some things that are hurting me and hindering me, and you spoke to me about that tonight, I need to get those out. Lord, I don't love your word like I used to. I'm convicted about that. I want that to change tonight. Lord, give me a hunger and a craving and a desire for your word. God, restore that back to me like we talked about this morning. God, I need revival. If no one else has revival this week, Lord, I need revival. Lord, I want to be a Psalm 1 Christian. Lord, I want one day my life to be verse number 3. I want to live a spiritually fruitful life. I want to persevere through the trials and the hardships and the setbacks of life.
Lord, I want to prosper in all that I do. The altar's open tonight. Won't you come? Focusing on is getting the world out, getting the word in, and every single one of us can work on at least one of those. But again, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Let's go ahead and remain standing. Let's sing a closing song, and then we will be dismissed. What time? Seven o'clock. Excellent. Excellent. One moment, actually. All right. Let me see if I can get a man or two or a couple folks to 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 to, to go grab us some. Brother Roger, would you grab us some uh, something to take up some an offering with? How about that? That's always kind of important to do, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> and uh, this offering, just while you're thinking about it, praying about it, while we got just a minute here, I want you to th- realize the way we handle this here, if, you, if you're not aware. Uh, this morning, of course, everything went to uh, the needs of the church and taking care of those needs. And But tonight and every night, we'll take up a love offering. And the love offering, every single penny will go to the man of God that came to preach to our heart this week. Did you enjoy that message? Amen. I, yeah, I used to think I had a good Psalm 1 message. I just threw that thing in the trash while I was sitting back there. I said, good day. I'm getting a copy of this, and I'm going to copy that, and I'll preach. No, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> that was fantastic, brother. Amen. And let me tell you, not only the delivery, though, I hope you got past that as good as the delivery was. I hope you dug in and got the truth out of it. That passage, listen to me carefully, will change your life. And I can't tell you how many lives it's changed. It's the, it's the foundation passage of Reformers Unanimous, if you've ever been to that. And, uh, and boy, when you, if you grab a hold of that and you apply those truths you heard tonight, I'm telling you, you will be a different, fundamentally different person next year at this time. And remember, trees take a while to grow. I loved how he put that. It's not overnight. So many times we make decisions at revivals and meetings, and, and we expect tomorrow the world to be just perfect and rosy, right? And, uh, and, and uh, thank God it is just because of the one we serve. But I'm telling you, you stay planted and you just watch that tree grow, grow, grow. And a year from now, you apply those truths. You look back and say, what happened to me? <laughs> you applied God's word. That's what happened. Amen. So, Brother Ethan, would you help him? If you would, we'll just take, have a couple folks to go through. Again, every penny 
Everything you put in, every hundred dollar, I've just said that for him now, everything you put into place going to the man of God. And what a blessing he's been already. Looking forward to the rest of the week. I'm going to pray and we'll take this up. Father, just thank you again for what we heard tonight, the truth, the uh, Lord, that will fundamentally radically transform our lives if we apply them. And my prayer is everyone in this room and everyone that watched by live stream, Lord, and those who even listen to this in the future, Lord, that you'll use the message, Lord, in, in every life to change them. Lord, bless now. Our, our giving, bless the, the offering, Lord. You know you know our brother's needs. You know every one of those needs. He's, he's sacrificed his life to go on the road, Lord, to do this very thing, to share your fundamental truths to help change lives. And I pray you'd bless him for it. I pray you'd bless him financially. I pray you'd bless him in every single way for his efforts. And just meet his needs tonight and the rest of the week. We pray that we can be a blessing to him as well. In Jesus' name, amen.